What's going on, everybody? This is Sean of Raw Select Music. And this is the Super Sunny Show. I'm La Molly. This is Blue and Green Radio. Hello and welcome along to this month's edition of the Music for Modern Living Radio Show, right here on Blue and Green Radio. You're locked in with me, Nigel Gentry. Confessions of a curly mind. Blue and Green Radio. You're listening to Steve Williams at UK5.org. Welcome to the Blue and Green Sessions. Ride the vibe with DJ Ronnie Ron. Twisted Souls. You're listening to the Blue and Green Podcast. And I hope you enjoy what we are going to say. Blueandgreenradio.com Welcome friends, you're tuned in to another episode of Blue In Green Radio's Blue In Green Podcast. My name's Imran, you're listening to uh, the podcast that runs in conjunction with Blue In Green Radio, the online internet uh, radio station that celebrates contemporary soul, jazz, funk, Latin and hip-hop music. Um, you can find us at our home of www.blueingreenradio.com. There is a link to our never-ending uh, stream, which runs all the time. <laughs> and you can click it and listen to our radio station where that uh, broadcast shows from across the whole world, which is an incredibly exciting thing to say. Um, and in regards to these podcasts, there's a podcast tab on the website as well, where you can see the entire back catalogue of episodes of our podcast that's been running since january 2019 so we're doing really really well uh we release episodes on the first second and third mondays of the month now on that note i have some housekeeping stuff to get through today so um this episode is being released um on the 30th of march uh so which will be the fourth episode that has been released in march as opposed to the standard three uh which means uh the first um Monday of April, which is the 6th of April, won't have an episode, but we'll resume our normal schedule from the following week, which means the second and third Mondays of April will have episodes. Oh, it's it's way less confusing than it sounds, I promise. Uh, but the reason we brought this episode forward is to coincide with the release of Raw Select Music's 50th episode which we have the incredible fortune of broadcasting for you good people uh this wednesday at 5 p.m so wednesday the 1st of april 5 p.m uk time it's its regular uh home that uh, on that slot and uh yeah we get to broadcast the 50th episode uh, presented by the uh creator and host uh sean sophia uh, who broadcasts uh, his show from Niigata to Japan and uh, yeah, we're just incredibly proud to have sort of been uh, part of his journey. We kind of discovered Sean through Mixcloud where he was uploading his shows directly and he had got to episode 8 by the time we stumbled upon him and um, it's yeah this is a conversation we have in the well in the through the conversation that you're about to hear so I won't go into it too much but it's it's just been a real thrill um, I, I love uh, what Sean yeah, manages to convey and, and to put across within the, the two hours of his show and it's uh, an incredible foray into the worlds of classic soul and funk to uh, contemporary uh, jazz and instrumental hip-hop and it's just a, an absolute uh, joy uh, to kind of catch an episode of Raw Select so to have... Uh, 
uh, to be able to to broadcast the 50th episode is is yeah it's it, it's a big deal to us so we certainly want to thank sean uh, for letting us be part of the raw select uh, journey this is the fourth time we've managed to, to connect uh with sean via the blue and green podcast so the other three episodes are available uh via our back catalog you just look them up and you'll find it hoping to pick up that pace a little bit as uh this this conversation kind of went a little bit long uh, which I really enjoyed, but there was so much I didn't get to ask him about, so we're hoping to connect again very, very soon. Um, regular listeners of our podcast will know that we feature two songs on uh, each episode. The, um, uh, the, the final song is, is, is selected by our guest, uh, in this case, uh, Sean. He'll be picking the closing number, and I get the luxury of picking the opening one. So... Um, in regards to a conversation we have right at the end of the podcast, I make reference to an album by uh, Ronald Bruner Jr., who is the brother of uh, Stephen Bruner, uh, a.k.a. Thundercat. Um, Ronald, in his own right, is a, is a stunning artist. He's an amazing vocalist and drummer and producer. And he has an album out called Triumph, which if you listen to me on Blue and Green Radio, I talk about that album a lot because it's a stunning album. And I, in the conversation with Sean, I make mention of a track that features uh, his brother called Take the Time. So that's going to be my song uh, pick for you right now. So this is Ronald Bruno Jr. with uh, Thundercat and Take the Time. Before I press play on that though, Sean and I, well, initially we, dump, we jump straight into discussion about uh, the coronavirus and, and where that lies in each of our lives at the moment with Sean being in uh, Japan and me being in London. It's an incredibly scary uh, uh, time, and I just want to officially just you know wish everyone the absolute best, and uh, and look forward to better days. So uh, yeah, much love to everyone. Wish everyone uh, health and happiness, and uh, all the very best to you all. Thank you very much. Hope you enjoy the episode. <laughs>
minutes late so oh, uh, no 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 worries at all i'm still shaking the rust off myself <laughs> it's 9 a.m now yeah it's about nine o'clock nine o'clock on a sunday morning it's brutal i apologize <laughs> oh not at all i usually end up waking up around this time anyways oh that's good that's good so, i know we've I, spoken once or twice after you've had a few heavy nights on a saturday night <laughs> yeah this is actually what i was gonna actually gonna say right off the top this is probably the first time we've done this in a while where i'm not <laughs> uh still reeling from the previous evening but to show what a champion you are i know when we have normally done this mm-hmm. uh, i think we've had a, we've had a time change so sometimes you'll get up for eight uh is that i think usually it's 8 a.m um so even after a heavy night you're still talking to me at 8 a.m the next day so you're a champion <laughs> oh i appreciate that thanks for the little pat on the back i needed that so how are you dude how how are things i'm doing all right i mean kind of everything's sort of like there's this real unease right now in japan yeah with all the uh, the COVID nineteen stuff, yeah, because they don't they don't seem to be taking it nearly as seriously. It, it, there's not like no one really seems to be all that concerned about it right right now. What so what are the cases like? What are the uh, are, are there a high number of people that have caught it over there? 
No, well, so that that seems to be the biggest mystery. Right now, a lot of the news media is reporting that the number of cases around Japan are really low, but largely that seems to do be due to the fact that not they they aren't doing a lot of testing. And they're really oh, only testing the people that have the 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 most severe symptoms. Uh, whereas in other countries, they're testing everybody just to find out who has it and who doesn't. Right. Unfortunately, I've been spending way too much time looking at uh, news and information about this stuff. Mm. Yeah, so. it's pretty intense. I mean, are you, I'll, what's I'll your situation? You it's insane. It, it's, I, don't, I don't think anyone expected it to have become what it has. I mean, for me, I've written the year off. Like, we had a yeah. holiday planned uh, for May, which hasn't yet technically been cancelled, but it's cancelled. You know, there are events that we had um, for next month cancelled. Uh, there was uh, uh, my two children's both birthdays were in April. We've had to cancel those. Uh, schools for them, have both school and nursery has been cancelled. Uh, and with no dates of potentially resuming it, they're just telling everyone to stay at home and don't see anyone, don't go out, don't talk to anyone. Mm. And um, it's Mother's Day in the UK tomorrow. So that's, you know, can't see any grandparents or anything like that. And so, yeah, we're stuck at home at the moment. We're right in the middle of our time at home because our little one uh, had a cough and, um, a very mild temperature on Monday and then this was before the schools closed and they said don't leave your house you're not coming to school they're not coming to nursery it's done that you're there for 14 days so we're kind of in the middle of that period at the moment um so it's intense it's crazy yeah it's just sort of turned everything on its head hasn't it yeah, absolutely. I mean, what's your current situation? Are you business as normal or are you staying at home at the moment? No, it, everything is business uh, business as usual. I'm still going to work on a regular basis. I'm still going to work on a regular basis. The main uh, thing is, I mean, it's made some people a little bit more cautious. The, hmm. uh, the, all, all the schools around Japan have been closed. Wow. But all all that's done is meant that uh, the kids that would usually come to my uh, day jo- my day job in the afternoon have some of them have been showing up in the morning because they've got no other place to go. What about the uh, the states as well? Your hometown? Uh, oh, actually, I need, I need to get back to my folks because the last time that I talked to anybody was right before all this insanity just. Uh, came out of nowhere yeah so i should actually probably try to talk to my talk to my brother at some point but that means i also have to talk to my brother and that's just doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun (laughs) why (laughs) i have sort of a tenuous relationship with my brother okay right i understand i'm sorry no, 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 no. It's nothing dramatic. I just, yeah. I, I like to make it into a bigger problem than it actually is. <laughs> you like to. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. Making a mountain, making a mountain out of a molehill. Right. <laughs> He's not a, a solo jazz fan. I take it. <laughs> not at all. 
<laughs> I see the tension. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, my, uh, for the longest time, my brother and I had fairly, you know, no, no, actually that's not true at all. My brother is always sort of lagged behind me when it came to music taste. So as I was sort of getting out of my metal phase, my brother was just getting into it. And at the time, uh, because my brother was usually the one who would drive, drive us to our, uh, our dad's house, it was usually my brother who had control over the, the radio and the CD player. And Paul, my brother, whose name is Paul, would always be playing something that I was like, man, I was listening to that like two years ago. Why are you <laughs> listening to that now? Isn't this supposed to be going the other direction? Aren't you supposed to be disseminating music to me? <laughs> was he playing your stuff? Was he getting your hand-me-downs on records or, yeah, no, or anything? Yeah, uh, no, he got a lot of my uh, old metal CDs, actually. Mm-hmm. Right. Some of the stuff that I just, I stopped listening to after a while. Uh, I had a different relationship with my brother musically. He, he was ahead. Mm-hmm. So we're going back to nineties now where he was always ahead and I was sort of lagging way behind, but I guess he just sort of, it got to a point music just became something he just totally grew out of. And uh, obviously I never did. And now he doesn't really listen to music almost at all. And I can't really comprehend anyone that couldn't in any way consume music on any enjoyment level, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that's the basis of our tension. (laughs) Yeah, no, I could totally, I could totally see that. I just, at this point, (laughs) I really just don't envision my brother listening to music at all. Mm. The last few times that I've seen him, and even been uh, in the car with him. I don't even remember him listening to any music. So wow. it's, it's kind of even at this point hard to figure out what my brother is into in term in terms of uh, music at this point. Right. <laughs> but he, he was never. My brother was never into music the way that I was. So was it was it always the same thing that you guys was it just sort of like the the metal kind of stuff that you had that you shared uh, an interest in even though it was at different times uh, but like did you have any other crossover in other music genres or anything? Oh, what, what was it? I think. Oh, actually, this is kind of crazy. My uh, little brother at one point was getting into sort of old school Ninja Tune stuff, and I remember uh-huh. uh, seeing a birthday list. And it had uh, one of the earliest Ninja Tune bo- uh, CD box sets. And I was looking at it and, and thinking to myself, I was like, Christopher, I've had that, I had that box set like three years ago. Why didn't you just ask me to make a copy of it for you? And it was always, music has always been one of those weird things where I've always wanted to share more of it yes. with uh, the people, people around me. But I've always had this feeling that like nobody really wants to listen to me talk about music. Oh my gosh, that's me. That's the <laughs> that's that's what puts us alone in a room with a microphone and yeah, record. No kidding, right? <laughs> I, I remember a story. Uh, this is a really stupid story. I don't know why I remember this, but I was in college and listening to other people talk in the computer lab, 
And I remember people like getting really, really hyped. This was around the time that the third Boards of Canada album came out. And everybody was talking about it. It's, like, it's so cool. It's weird. It's trippy. It's got the, it's got these, uh, like hip hop beats, but it's also got guitar in it. Oh, it's the best thing I've ever heard. The guitar thing was the thing that threw me over the edge. Cause everyone's just like, I don't like electronic music cause it doesn't have like real instruments in it. But when, the, as soon as guitar was heard, it's like, okay, now it's legitimate music. Right. But I, and as soon as I heard that, I'm like, I was listening to Boards of Canada like five years ago. What the hell? <laughs> I could have told you about Boards of Canada. You had to figure this out on your own. <laughs> I, that's been my plight probably my entire life. So, yeah, I think just as you said, that's what leaves us leads us to locking ourselves in a room and uh, turning the microphone on. Yeah, exactly. So do you, I'm sure you're, you're, that can't be your current situation though. Cause I guess cause you're, you, you DJ out now and you've got lots of people in those circles. Like, do you still find yourself in the situation where you just don't have people to share those kind of experiences with? Uh, uh depends who I'm talking to with Japanese mm. people. I find that I've sort of made a connection with, because in Japan, when it comes to music, people sort of, uh, divide themselves into subgroups. You've got the hardcore rock heads, you've got the hardcore punk heads, hip hop, and basically take any genre, subgenre of music, and you're going to find somebody who's into that kind of music. Right. So, no, not really. It's, re it's really easy to find people that are into the same sort of stuff. I think it's more difficult to find people who are into a wide breadth of stuff. Right. So you, the, usually the hip-hop heads, for example, the hip-hop heads don't get along with the house heads. And the house <laughs> heads don't get along with the rock heads. Yeah. And the rock heads think that uh, all other genres of music are lame and don't listen to anything else other than that. Right. Which is why that... the when I do get invited to do events with uh, the rock guys, usually I'll do a funk and soul set. And generally, it usually ends up going over pretty well. So that I've always tried when it when uh, when, when playing out in Japan to be the uh, jack of all trades, master of none. Just being able to find something, a little something for everyone, has always been my basic philosophy for playing out. Mm. But I mean. Again, kind of going back to the, the going back to uh, how things are recently. Most of my gigs have actually been canceled as a result of mm. everything that's going on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so hopefully, come May, maybe July, we'll yeah. start seeing events happening again. But I, I'm not in any particular rush to uh, run out and uh, start DJing live again. And actually, this is, should be interesting. One thing that I'm going to start doing is getting on the train that everybody else is doing. And hopefully we'll start live streaming pretty soon. Oh, wow. That's cool. So uh, the mixer that I bought last year has a particular piece of software that uh, can only be used with the mixer. 
And with it, you can do live recordings to your iPhone. Plus, it also has a uh, built-in connection for live streaming with, uh, I think it was Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And I figured what what I might as well get on that might as well get on that train now while everybody else is doing it and use it as yet another excuse not to get too rusty in my DJ. The, well, the Facebook thing is a really interesting one because they they're a bit strange. Well, I say strange. I mean, it depends on your perspective, but they can be a bit strict, shall we say, about um, broadcasting music live through Facebook. Because mm. I had a conversation on these podcasts recently uh, with a guy called Rui Fredino who does that, and he'll you know they'll pull the plug on his live stream because they'll play you're playing music you don't own, and then it will just. You know, like I, I'm not. There are, seems to be a lot of maybe hoops to go through, or I'm not quite sure how you kind of get Facebook to just accept it. But then Twitter is an interesting one. I'm not sure what the rules are for that because I do see a lot of people live streaming through Twitter as well, which is yeah, yeah. The one thing that I've noticed is that there's no consistency across all platforms. Mm. That I think, like you said, Facebook is really, really strict in terms of its copyright. YouTube seems to be, it, it just depends if the bots end up picking up uh, what you're playing. Because I've seen right. a couple of channels that do uh, live streams and you, I'll always look in the description to see if there's any uh, copyright strikes or any copyright claims. And sure enough, no matter how little of a song that you play, the bots will usually end up picking it up. Yeah, it's happened to uh, a bunch of my music videos. What or not music videos? Well, a bunch of my YouTube videos. Yeah. yeah, there was a really weird one. One of the vlogs that I did last year, it was towards the end of the video in one of the most echoey. Could barely make the song out if you were right next to the speakers, and somehow. A copyright bot picked it up. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. But what happens when YouTube does that? When YouTube picks up a song, doesn't it just say you can't now monetize this video, but you can still? I mean, or, like, what would prevent them from letting you like broadcast it or, or not broadcast it, but upload it? Because they normally say that you can't monetize the video because there's a song there that you don't own. Isn't that the extent of it? Unless someone actually complains. Yeah. Is that right? So, so my understanding of it is uh, it all comes down to the copyright holder. If mm. it's just a copyright claim, all they do is they take over the monetization of the uh, of the video, which right. in a disgusting display... Like I do not have enough uh, subscribers on my channel to be monetized right now. However, the copyright holder has the right to run ads on my video and make mm. money on my video, even though I can't. That's <laughs> disgusting. That's strange. That's really interesting. Yeah. So I, I've been going back through a lot of the uh, videos that got strikes, or not strikes, but claims. Because strikes are the one that you need to be careful of. Right. Claims just mean that they take away your monetization. Strikes are the ones that'll take away your channel. Gosh. 
music licensing is a really fascinating thing. Like, it's just, you know, like I completely, I'm of the mindset that music shouldn't necessarily, shouldn't be free. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people, I, I think, you know, it's always, I always find it a really strange argument when you meet people that are like, oh yeah, I download like illegally because I don't think you should pay for music. It's, it's a, it's a strange concept. I couldn't begin to comprehend why they would feel entitled you know, I can appreciate if somebody just... That's the operative easy. word there, by the way. Feeling entitled. Yeah, yeah, it's a strange one. Like, I can understand if... I know people who do do it, and if they just say, oh, it's just, it's easy to do it. And that's fine. I can understand it. That's fine. But when people make that stance of, I, I don't think you should you should pay for it, it's like, I can't do it. how is it going to get made then? But anyway, but I get... So that there's that perspective. So I think you should pay, but... Mm-hmm. The the idea of including a song in a DJ mix, why somebody would get mad at that? Do you know what I mean? Like if you're putting something on SoundCloud or or in some platform, like on Facebook, if you're doing a live stream or you're of a DJ set and you play a song, like why why would you know why would that create an issue? I don't get it. I don't understand why that can always sort of lead to to strikes or removal removal of videos or anything like that. I always think that's sort of the way opposite end of the extreme scale, isn't it? Yeah, it, it kind of goes back to the old uh, problem with the, the, the CD days where the big retailers were charging an ungodly sum for, yeah. for CDs. And things like Napster and LimeWire and illegal downloading for free w- was – Everybody basically giving the middle finger to the retailers that were charging way too much mm. money for uh, for music. Yeah. And I think the people who say music should be free are... Because if you remember back to the introduction of uh, iTunes in when it first came out, people were willing to pay 99 cents for a song. Or nine buck, or nine or ten bucks, or I don't, I don't know how many quid that would be. I apologize. I should never. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, uh, no. I totally understand. Well, so I guess now it's what for an album. I think it's about seven, like quid wise, pound wise. I think it's like seven ninety nine, eight ninety nine for an album on iTunes. Yeah, I would imagine something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But it seems like everything now is going to streaming, which I mm. kind of don't like that idea right. at all. I mean, no, of MP3s are already so intangible to begin with. The idea that it's not even data that sits on your hard drive. It's coming from some other location. That That's kind of a bridge too far for me. I know, yeah. the The idea of streaming. I mean, I, you know, you and I are both purchasers. We buy. We're. I don't mm. know if we're necessarily into the realm of collectors yet. Um, but you know, we're. We. I don't. There. There aren't almost any albums that I own, like a digital version of. If the hard copy isn't available, you know, yeah. if it's only a digital only release, fine, I'll buy it. Uh, if I, you know, if I really wanted that album, but if there's a hard copy. Uh, then I've, you know I'd have to get my hands on it just the way it is. Um, but it's have a difficult thing. So, yeah. Through Bandcamp. I'm sorry. Have you ever bought anything through Bandcamp? Oh yeah, countless stuff. Yeah. Uh, okay. See, yeah, I I've, I still even haven't gone that far. 
Like I'll get, well, you, but you can still get hard copies and vinyl CDs from Bandcamp. Yeah, and, and generally, I try to go through other real uh, retailers just to right. make my life easier. Right. <laughs> one, one, one of the one of the biggest godsends of Japan is uh, COD is still a thing. Right. Okay. So, and as right. a person who doesn't have a credit card, it, it's made life so much easier for ordering records. Right. I understand. Yeah. But no, Bandcamp's great. I mean, Bandcamp will have loads of stuff that you can't even get anywhere else, like in terms of if it's some independent uh, uh, guy or label or group or whatever. Sometimes you can only find stuff on Bandcamp. Bandcamp is a crazy wormhole to fall down yeah, because you I've just find that. countless stuff. Like, it's it's just it's endless, the amount of stuff that's on there. The one thing site. that I really wish Bandcamp would do is have a feed uh, similar to SoundCloud. I mean, oh, that's a great one idea. of the things yeah. that I really like about SoundCloud is the way that you can just scroll scroll through all the different yeah. uh, artists and labels that you follow, and you get introduced to so much music that way. Yeah, yeah. And I, I find that Bandcamp is really, really cool if you know what you're looking for, but there's not so much a uh, fall into it aspect that like SoundCloud sure. has. Yeah, you'd have to look for like new releases or within genres and and stuff like that. But I guess for the amount of stuff I would imagine gets uploaded per day, you're right. It would be. Uh, well, I'm not aware of a way to kind of uh, to keep on top of what's currently new. I mean, I know the bottom of each page will have people who bought this, bought this. Yeah, and that's sort of the wormhole part that I get stuck in. But. Um, um but yeah no you're right that's an interesting uh approach to it yeah i haven't seen that yeah no it, it, i i've been toying around with this idea for ages of slowly shifting away from vinyl and moving more towards uh going digital i've been wanting to do this wanting to do this forever just because i i feel like Trying to keep up to date on all current vinyl releases is a never-ending money pit. It's yeah. fun. Don't get me wrong. And I enjoy <laughs> picking up all the new records and stuff like that. But I know at a certain point, it, I need to stop doing this. And if I really do want to just stay up to date on everything, going digital is definitely the way, the way forward. So everything you have is vinyl. Is that like in terms of you buy a new a new album, a new single, whatever? Yep. It's Every, vinyl everything, is... everything is vinyl. Jeez, could you even get away from doing that? Like I understand you, you, the idea of obviously moving to digital, but is that something you could you could physically do? <laughs> I mean, obviously, I'd, I'd still keep the records that I have. Sure, uh, yeah. more just about being like, for example, with the radio show stuff. Like I like to sort of strike a balance between playing recent stuff and older stuff. Mm -hmm. But as of late, I haven't been buying a lot of recent stuff. So I've sort of fallen on my laurels of playing like a lot of uh, older, older records, stuff that have been in my uh, collection for a long time. And I'm really feeling this itch like I, ah, I got to start playing more recent stuff but i haven't been <laughs> buying a lot of recent stuff so and it's just this 
never ending inner tor- turmoil that I have. Oh, and for me, going digital allows me to sort of dip my toes into a lot of different sounds without the investment of paying right. 20, 30, 40 dollars for a new record. Yeah. And plus, I can cover a lot more ground and be a lot more recent if I were to go digital, if I were to go digital. But I mean, at the same time, the having limitations isn't necessarily a bad thing either. So as you can tell, I'm a man of many conflictions. But that's an interesting one because you're now sticking because your conflictions are really interesting because it's like uh, if you were to leave vinyl Mm -hmm. you have you're opening yourself up to and you know considerably more uh uh, genres and styles of music because you're able to invest that money into more sounds more more diverse content that you don't need to be so discerning about but then also if you stick to vinyl you're continuing your your lengthy tradition the one that's been the backbone of your your radio show that's been the backbone of your YouTube series. It's a difficult confliction. I can understand it. Yeah, it's just, uh, I, and it, uh, odds are this may be the, the grass is greener on the other side and the grass is always greener on the <laughs> other side. I keep thinking that uh, going digital is the way forward, but I, I do love my vinyl. I'm not, I, mm. We've talked about this before. I'm not mm, necessarily yeah. a vinyl purist by any means. It was for the longest time when I started DJ when I started DJing in Niigata, the only consistent setup that you could find was uh, was vinyl, and it was the only way to play out and have uh, I, the consistent setup of two turntables and a mixer. If you were to play CDs, the variety uh, of CD players that were out there was so insane. You never knew what uh, any place had until you got there. And sometimes you'd have top-of-the-line Pioneer. uh, I forgot what the, the model number is. But the club standard Pioneer ones. And then you'd have the most jerry-rigged piece of bullshit sitting there <laughs> at the club I, I remember my friend uh one of my friends he used to have a bar in town and he was so happy that one year he ended up buying this uh all-in-one vestax two cdj and mixer combination and every time i looked at that tank i'm like I, yeah i'm so glad that i stuck with stuck with records <laughs> even if i had to lug my own turntables over yeah. there in order oh, to gosh. DJ at his bar yeah it's difficult so again how would how would that work if you were to venture into the digital uh realm in terms of you wouldn't be able to play anything well, any my, of that stuff if you continue to play out my yeah and then, again this is another one of those i'm not entirely sure what because there are so many options do I do I end up buying a controller? Do I end up going mm. with a DVS system? And I, I mean, I wouldn't go CDJs. I, at this point, I don't, even, I don't even understand what's the point of having a CDJ. 
that that was always the one that was a head scratcher for me. Why why if you have the option to use a DVS system, why on earth would you use it with uh with a CDJ? Like I don't know how much you're familiar with uh a lot of uh DJ software and the digital vinyl system and stuff where you use the records to send a signal to your computer so you can play mp3s off of your computer on yeah yeah. but there's also you do that with cdjs as well Mm -hmm. and i don't understand that because if you're using a cdj to send a signal to your computer so you can play mp3s (laughs) off your computer why aren't you just burning cds Moreover, a lot of CDJs now have a USB option. So all you even have to do yeah. is load Plug your... In, yeah. So that one was always a head scratcher. Like I remember, I remember doing an event fairly recently where somebody was frantically looking for the Serato, uh, the, the Serato time-coded CDs. And I was like, wait, somebody actually uses those? I thought that was one of those things that it, you look at it when you first buy the system and like, oh, that's nice. And you just whip it straight into the trash. Right. <laughs> you saw it there beside the uh, the twin boombox cassette deck that was yeah. on display as well. <laughs> and you thought, who the hell is playing that? So. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting where people find their comfort zone, isn't it? From the variety of formats that there are. I mean, there there are some benefits to using CD. There are some benefits to using CDJs, but again, all the functionality could be either used from the laptop or from the CDJ. Why do you need to have both of those uh, both of those things working at the same time? I just it, yeah. This is the the analog man in a digital world talking right now. Yeah. No, I understand. <laughs> no, I, I like the perspective, though. I, yeah, no, I agree. But I think it's interesting. And it's funny too. <laughs> a lot of a lot of my uh, Serato heavy Serato using friends have ended up going back to using vinyl, which I thought was really really interesting. Why? What was what? What was the problem that they were having that made them go back? What made them? Well, one uh, calibration issues. They're having trouble setting it up at a, uh, setting Serato up e- at events, and two, I'd, I'd I'd like to believe that it was part partially on me as uh, playing <laughs> playing records. They're like, "Ooh, that looks like fun." I wish I'd uh, brought records instead of uh, my digital software stuff. Mm. And I thought, you were, I thought you were going to say you were booing during their sets or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I wasn't going to say that. Uh, a lot in with some of the guys that I know, they 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 just say it's like records just sound better. There, there is a very distinctive difference between a uh, Serato sound and a record sound, specifically in scratching. Like I've really noticed like when somebody's scratching with Serato, there's just a certain sound that's very distinctive and very easy to pick out. Mm. Uh. But again, there's that 
convenience aspect of being able to have that much more music at your fingertips all while not completely uh, breaking the bank in order to do so. So yeah, I could totally see the the appeal of 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 that approach. Absolutely, it is an interesting. Uh, well, as you say, it's an interesting confliction mm. to to have, but it's um, but yeah, I guess it takes us into the current realm of of say uh, streaming, where I mean, there's 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 nothing. You know, I know you question, say, the tangibility of an MP3, but with streaming, there's none. There's nothing remotely tangible about it apart from what you pay as your your service. But it's 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 just not something I I ever could see myself doing. Yeah, I've just even even if I've been remotely curious, like if I wanted to check something out, I found that it's just that much more convenient to just go straight to YouTube rather than even using the dedicated service yeah that's a great point yeah i the one i guess one difference is you can't technically dj from youtube but you can do so from uh i think a lot of controllers now have uh streaming capability like you can actually dj from uh a spotify stream I suppose that was inevitable, wasn't it? I'm surprised to hear it, I guess. But yeah, I suppose it would have to make itself. That would be the only progressive and forward-thinking thing that Spotify could have done with Mm. the increased popularity. It's the only unanswered question for them in terms of someone in your situation, you play out and it would always stop you from from jumping on board with Spotify because you need your stuff to play out with. So I guess them making it, uh, accessible to to people, you know, who are actually DJing. Then I suppose that was the final probably hurdle for them to to get past. So you know, I'm not surprised, I guess, thinking about it. Yeah, neither of my. I just, I I can't imagine that it sounds very good. I, no. I just you having not really ever used any of the streaming platforms. I mean, I I'm not an audiophile by any stretch of the imagination either, but. There is a distinctive difference between a vinyl record, high quality MP3, and uh, like a low quality stream. You're going to run into that in, if, for example, you've got a really bad internet connection. You're going to run into some like really, really crappy sounding DJs at some point, I would imagine. Do you ever remember that thing in the 90s when? people would say if you put your cds in the freezer it increases the sound quality do you remember that no i never heard that. <laughs> that sounds amazing <laughs> it sounds even more amazing just because there has to be a whole handful of people that tried that i know but i suppose the i never tried it i remember hearing it and believing it but i never tried it and i always used to think i mean do you play it frozen or do you let it thaw out before you play it <laughs> i don't know just, just find the absolute worst CD. <laughs> the, the the CD you just stare at and think, why did I pick that up? <laughs> and, and try it out with that. I definitely had a couple of CDs like that. Yeah, but your brother's playing them now. <laughs> <laughs> but, there has to be one 
album that I picked up that I remember at the time I, I was like, oh, this is great. And then I, it fell out of favor with me. And then my brother picked it up and it was just like, really? That's what you got on board with? I can't remember what it was, but it was definitely when I was in my uh, sort of embarrassing new metal phase. Is there a version of Raw Select music that could have gone down the metal phase? Oh, definitely. Like Raw Select, yeah, really. Is oh, it still definitely. on the cards, you think? <laughs> I, 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 metal is still something that I hold dear, near and dear to my heart. I've just been a, become a little bit more discerning about the stuff that I like. Most of it is a, most of it is definitely a, uh, a nostalgic fast factor, right? But, so it's older stuff that that you're more in, in tune with. Yeah, I mean the sort of classic stuff. I I hold the, I mean, classic Metallica. I still think holds up. Classic Slayer holds up. One group that I was never a fan of in uh, my hardcore metal phase that I started getting into was uh, recently is Pantera. Yeah. And I was getting into uh, how for some reason, uh, as, as of late, I've started getting into uh, Slipknot, which I never thought that I would because it's, it's just the like most stereotypical, angry white teenager music that you think of. (laughs) But for some reason, on occasion, it, it 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 hits just just the way that I want it to. Right. I don't. I'm not a metalhead in any context. But Never I know had a enough. metal phase. No, I had a, a rock phase, almost the uh, probably that '90s grunge, but it came early 2000s. That kind of grungy uh, uh, kind of. I'm trying to think of bands, but I honestly can't. I probably don't want to say bands because you're a metal guy, so you'll probably laugh at everything I say. <laughs> no, but, I, uh... <laughs> one of the things that I've always thought about doing at some point is actually plotting the trajectory of my music taste because it's been kind of a weird ride. Yes, you said that before, actually. I think last time we spoke, you mentioned you wanted to do that. that yeah, would be cool. yeah, it's just one of those things that's become kind of daunting, so I've never gotten around to actually doing it. That sounds fun. You should though. Yeah, I, it would be really, it would be really interesting to plot out the uh, all the different lines and how one thing led to another. One thing led to another. Because mm. I've had basically, aside from a country and blues phase, I've mm. basically gone through every genre of music conceivable. You, you were talking heavy. about. Uh, you, I remember you posted either on Twitter or Facebook that you had picked up the new Beck album. And yes, that's right. Yeah, my first Beck album. Yeah, and Beck was largely responsible for getting me into a lot of uh, the weird stuff, getting me into a lot of uh, country, uh, not country music, but a lot of funk and jazz and oh, wow. hip hop. Actually, stems from picking up midnight vultures on a whim because i really liked the music video for uh sex laws okay so oh, yeah. i don't know that one i've oh, yeah my, my bag oh. it's i've literally got into it just because pharrell had produced it and i'm mm. a big neptunes fan and i loved the idea of him that you know it's pretty it's not out of the box in that 
it's not unusual for him to have produced Beck, but it's just not something he does. He doesn't step out of the box as much as I sort of like him slash them too. So I, I couldn't pass it up. It's kind of the project I've wanted for, you know, them to do for, I don't know, 10 odd years or so and probably longer. What, what was the main appeal of that album for you? Oh, Pharrell. Oh, just Pharrell? For, that, that's Beck, Beck what made really didn't me get have it. anything to do with it? About what, what was that, sorry? What, about Beck himself? Yeah. Um, no, um, I've always been familiar with Beck. I have a couple of Beck songs. Um, I've I've just never, I think it gets to a point where you get an artist um, as established as them. It just becomes intimidating because you're like, well, I have no idea where to start. So uh, I, knew, I heard Pharrell had done the, the, the Hyperspace album. I thought, oh, well, there you go. That's a great place to start. So, mm. and I, I liked it. Even the, the tracks Pharrell didn't produce, I really, really enjoyed the whole thing really like top to bottom i really really enjoyed it so um so yeah and i I think from the post i had put up on facebook uh, a few people pitched uh other albums as well i think yourself did as well like the one you just mentioned so uh yeah midnight of me i'm the odd man out i actually prefer midnight vultures to odalay which is the album that pretty much everybody goes to right i've never really been a fan of his folkier stuff aside from Mutations, which is a really, really good album. But it's also an album that's really hard to listen to for me front to back. As it, it, at, a, at a certain point about the halfway mark, and Odile had the same problem for me too, it just becomes sort of tedious to listen to. Oh, right. <laughs> sea Change was the absolute worst in that regard for me. That uh, After about two or three songs in, I always remember just giving up on it, which is a shame because it's like one of his most critically revered records and also one of his most personal records, but it, it just doesn't do anything for me. And I, I, it's one of those records that I just can't go back and listen to anymore. Oh. How many records has he done now? He must have well into double digits, I imagine. I, it, it's got to be between 10 to 15. Yeah. And the main reason that I asked that question of what was the appeal for you, uh, I was uh, in the car with one of my friends fairly recently, and he's like, ooh, New Beck came out. Let's give it a listen. And within the first three minutes, we both sort of looked at each other and was like, <laughs> who is this for? What, 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 is, what is the appeal of this? Was your friend a Beck fan as well? No, 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 no. He, he's never been a oh. Beck fan. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say, as established Beck fans, that was interesting that you would pose that question. And yeah. as a newbie, just really liking it. But no, that didn't... I, I liked it a lot. I really did. Um, I mean, it was very 80s, wasn't it? It was very... You know, it's called hyperspace. It's 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 got a very 80s aesthetic through it. I, I, oh, gosh. I Yeah, no, I really liked it. Hmm. Yeah, uh, uh, it's, I don't know, it's one of those records that probably just holds absolutely no appeal for me at this point. I've never, even with all of the old sort of weird uh, alternative rock uh, spanning multiple genre style stuff, Beck is one of the few artists that I've just completely left behind. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh wow! It was. I, 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 I would was at this point seen. prefer to go back and listen to Soul Coughing before I went back and listened to uh, a Beck record. Oh gosh, 
Okay. Well, Which if you've I never listened to any Soul Coffee, I highly recommend you do so. I haven't. I will do. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll I'll explore further. Yeah. I always get a list of stuff to to explore further when when we talk, which is good. Mm. So uh, yeah, and another thing that you do that gives me a list of things to explore further, which was the primary reason for this conversation. We've talked for ages, and I haven't. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was wondering if we were going to try to figure out: Are we going to make this a uh, hard transition, or is it eventually sort of going to worm its way into the conversation? <laughs> I think I officially transitioned. Yeah, no, 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 no that was bad. Pretty good. That was pretty good. You forgot to but, uh, you forgot to take out the 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 low end and the mids, but I mean the transition was all right. The beats were a little mismatched, but I am of course referring to episode fifty yes. of Raw Select. Congratulations! Yeah, cool I, I, I don't think I've ever stuck with anything for this long in my entire <laughs> life. I usually jettison it by by about the the second or third month. That's well. I'm well. I'm very glad that you you've stuck with it because I mean it's a it's a fantastic show. Fifty episodes in, I think we hooked up with you when you were eight episodes in. Was it so eight? You're nine. I was trying to figure yeah. out when you uh, reached out to me. You had done. You had put up eight uh, yeah. via Mixcloud, and then thankfully we were able to secure from nine onwards, which is yeah. very very cool. Which was um, really funny because I got. Around the same time that you had sent me an email, which was why in the beginning I was kind of reluctant to do anything, I, I didn't get back to you immediately. I was getting mm. emails from this guy who's uh, was basically asking me to do the same thing, but spoke absolutely uh, – English was obviously is not his first language, and he did tell me oh, okay. that he was French – and there was a weird sort of vibe that I was getting off of him. So I just eventually just completely ignored it. <laughs> and Why? Was there anything in particular that you remember he said or did or anything? Oh, it, it was just the inability to communicate with him. Um, because his English was just unfortunately so broken that I didn't feel like a, he could clearly communicate what he wanted from me. And I couldn't get the expectations right I, I couldn't quite understand the expectations that he had from me right and it ultimately just sounded like too much of a hassle to deal with so i just kind of pushed it to the side and then <laughs> you hit me up around the exact same time wow and, and i uh, from the get-go i'm always a bit standoffish when it comes to dealing with emails for stuff like this online but i'm really glad that we ended up talking and it, everything ended up working out so but i do apologize for my sort of uh, standoffishness <laughs> at, in the beginning no that that that's totally cool no no i i i, I do remember uh i do remember yeah you didn't reply uh, initially and i remember thinking oh i don't think he's uh, he's interested at all, but thankfully the other guy couldn't speak English because you might have said, "Oh, you're too late." I'm already yeah, hooked yeah. up with a French station. <laughs> so, so for your fiftieth show, you 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 mentioned earlier you had a super cool plan um, uh, to to kind of put out a uh, a show marking or plucking tracks from your fifty favorite records. Is that right? 
So I, I am still in the process of trying to figure out exactly how I want to do this. So I originally thought of just doing 50 of my favorite records, but as I was pulling them, I started realizing that I'm going through a lot of repeat records, stuff that I've played in multiple shows beforehand. Right. But then I thought, okay, maybe I'll just do 50 of my favorite LPs because the first idea had me pulling from both my seven inch collection and my uh, LP collection. And then it shifted to, okay, maybe I'll do 50 of my favorite breaks because I've definitely got 50 breaks uh, in my collection as well. And then it's uh, shifted again to uh, maybe I'll do 50 of my favorite instrumental hip hop tracks. Can I just, can I say, I actually think this is probably, this should be the basis of every show going forward now. Your 50 favorite dot, dot, dot. (laughs) (laughs) And just pick a different, you seem to have a long list of 50s, which is very cool. (laughs) It was all just like, how can I use the number 50 to coincide with the the 50th episode? Right. Because I, I really couldn't think of another approach to make it special, but it was just, 50 stood out to me and it's like, well, I definitely have 50 of something. (laughs) So I I just try to figure out how I'm going to work that idea. So at the moment I'm leaning towards a 50 of my favorite instrumental hip hop tracks. But I mean that, I mean that idea sounds great in my head and then I might actually get behind the turntables and start doing it and realize that the, this was a terrible idea. <laughs> Why? It wouldn't be though. It would like, be I, great. I, I'm the world's biggest self-critic. Right. So I, like I, if it doesn't, if the idea doesn't sound the way that it does in my head, I will immediately just throw, throw something out. That uh, DJ mix that I put out last year was a year and a half or so work in progress. Yeah, yeah, the just a a little bit of everything mix that I put out last year. Not not the natty one, the one before. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Right, right, right. I thought it was the natty one. Big problem. Yeah, that that mix took forever to put together because I had lined up an idea of I want it to start like this and I want it to end like this. How do I get from one point A to point B? And for whatever reason, I was going back and uh, adding new tracks, taking old tracks out. And it just became this long process of uh, just trying to find a sound that I thought that I was looking for. Right. So I don't know the, 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 the instrumental hip hop idea sound sounds interesting, but I, I, I've also got to put in some limitations. So I'm not just playing, you know, 50 of my favorite Dilla tracks. I don't know. I think for your, for such a milestone show, I kind of think rule, rules would go out the window like if it did become like 30 of those tracks being dealer tracks and that that's it and that's those are your your favorites right like yeah i i I tooled around with the idea of 
doing uh, 50 of my save in case of fire uh, records. All right. Nice. And I, I've like I kind of liked that kind of liked that idea, and I might still end up going in that direction. There, uh, as I've been doing these shows for now for fifty episodes, the one thing when I first started doing this was I really had the idea in the back of my head that I would not try to turn it into a uh, DJ mix radio show. Because right. it, it, as soon as I start putting actual mixing into uh, the the radio show, which sometimes it works when sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I've had a few more train wrecks in my uh, few, most recent radio shows than I'd like. Uh, <laughs> as soon as I start adding mixing into the equation, expectations start coming up. Right. Like I've got this idea that, oh, it needs to sound a lot more professional or it's got to be a lot more clean. It got to be a lot cleaner. And that's why originally when I started the, the radio show, it was never about that. It was always just let me just play records and have fun with it again. But over time, as I've started doing it, I have like, well, now I want there to be a through line. I want there to be some sort of connective tissue between everything that I'm playing. So as you've noticed, uh, some of the radio shows have become very, very segmented. Like the most recent episode, 49, started mm. with me playing a lot of sort of cinematic funk, soul, and jazz. Right, yes, And yes. then it shifted into an old school uh, hip hop section, which I was really happy to pull some of yeah. those records out. That uh, Tim Dog track is still one of my favorite songs. Yes, great tune. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Spoonie G, I think you had on the list. Oh yeah, well, no, the Spoonie. Oh, you recognize the Spoonie G? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, great. It great. was so funny. The only reason that record ended up in that show was I was frantically trying to find uh, the Mount Saint Airy pieces of a Dream record, <laughs> and I <laughs> yeah. couldn't find it. And since I do the the radio shows as one long take, I was like, well, I can't stop. So what what do I have that's in this BPM? <laughs> and I was like, ooh, Spoonie G. I'll grab that. Because I had picked up uh, Peter Butter Wolf from Stone's Throw put out mm-hmm. a seven-inch tin of old-school hip-hop records. And uh, the first record that kicked off the uh, that segment of – old school hip hop was the Steezo. Oh, what's the, Oh, what's the name of that track? Steezo. Oh, it's my turn. Right. And that that yeah. was like, that's one of my favorite records from that tin box set, whatever. Yeah. And the, uh, Spoonie G is also in that same box set. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It was a great addition. Yeah. Yeah. Daylar as well won the list, if I remember yes. correctly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was actually that that record's kind of funny because I had uh, a DJ friend in town that had gone completely digital, and he gave me three boxes of records, and I one day went through all three. No, it was had to be somewhere between like a hundred and hundred fifty records, maybe oh close gosh. to two hundred. I went through. Mm-hmm all of his records and of that 150 200 some records i think i took away 
three. Because <laughs> everything was just like the world's worst uh, early 2000s progressive house. And oh. <laughs> it was some of the cringiest shit that I've ever, ever heard. <laughs> but in that box was actually a uh, 12-inch copy of De-, De La Soul's Ring, Ring, Ring. Right. Which Okay, so you had some gems. De La Soul's always been really weird. If you Going from, I think, Balloon Mind State back to Three Feet High and Rising, all the mm-hmm. old Tommy Boy 12-inch singles have a ton of uh, alternative alternate mixes on them that right. were never included on the uh, on the album and the version that i played from uh, on that radio show was uh an extended version of it, extended version of ring 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 smooth nice so yeah so that's a heck of a gem that he had buried within the uh the house stuff mm. that's really interesting did you give it all back then or no i sold it oh <laughs> Uh, I, sold, uh, I sold I sold them all. I mean that that's always been the thing with me. Uh there's there used to be on YouTube uh a channel called Fuse and they used to have a segment called uh Crate Diggers. They'd go to a lot of producers and uh record collectors' houses and talk to them about their record collection. And the one that I always remember is uh, them talking to Lord Finesse. And Lord Finesse, in his Lord Finessiness, was like, I like to call mine the low fat collection. There's no garbage in my collection. He's, oh, wow. He's got, a, he's got a back wall of like 20,000 records. And he's like, yeah, there's no garbage in here. Bullshit. There's garbage <laughs> in your collection for sure. But I, I still look at it that way. I, I've been... Always, I'm always in a pruning process of taking out the unessentials. Oh, wow. Okay. So, just trying to keep only the records that I want to keep. But Once again, distancing yourself from the term collector. Yeah. Because I, I – and the other reason I would never call myself a collector, there is a means to an end for every record that I buy, and that is to listen to it or use it in a DJ setting. The idea of just buying a record for the sake of looking at it and for bragging rights or because it may appreciate in value at some point uh, is completely lost on me. Right. So. Right. I do have, there is a a very minor element for me of, of like um, uh, really sort of old uh, CD singles of artists like Prince. I had a, uh, I spent way more money than I should have on, on, I found a, a music store, secondhand music store, uh, sort of closest to where I live. And I, I just sort of found my way there and spent long time. And they, their single game was incredible of like, uh, old MPG, uh, print singles and mm-hmm. late eighties stuff. And some of it, not as, you know, bragging rights is a great term, but I've got no one to brag to Yeah, <laughs> other yeah, than online. Funny. Even if you <laughs> <laughs> even if i were to brag who who who's gonna who's actually gonna listen 
Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's precisely my, my, my situation. So I, I, but there were a couple there that were those private bragging rights where you're like, oh my gosh, there's a single of this. I didn't even know this one had mixes mm. and stuff. So yeah, the, 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 the end result, but there were a couple there where I almost had everything, but just sort of wanted the single of it. So, it, so sometimes I constrain to collector territory, but no, I, I would never call myself a collector. Yeah. No, and the, I think the only reason that I just have an incessant need to collect more music is that I have this idea in my head that after a certain point, I will have exactly the amount of records that I need that mm -hmm. I need to be able to play exactly the sort of DJ set that I have in my head. Yeah. This yeah. may be the world's greatest uh, fool's errand of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't this the definition of chasing the dragon? It is. You're Keras One. You're chasing the perfect beat right yeah. now. <laughs> and and that, it, it, you, it's impossible. There, yeah. But yeah, you always, I, I'll yeah, still, I'll it. still, still keep trying. I'll still keep trying. Yeah. I think, I think the only, I think the only group that has come close to creating the perfect instrumental hip hop record and the perfect beat is that that betty ford boys album too is, oh you're a big fan of that one yeah oh they, it's one. but yeah. it that is a save in case of fire record in my opinion wow, i great i don't think anyone has come close to putting out uh an album like that is that a uh, suff suff daddy's a part of that is that right yep. suff daddy yeah. brank sinatra and dexter Right, and Brank Sinatra. Obviously, you were a huge fan of his most recent record. Yeah, as well. well, he was he was sort of the inroad to, uh, he was sort of the inroad to uh, Betty Ford Boys. Okay. So it, he, I, there was a record store that I used to go to in town. A friend of mine was trying to introduce me to Brank Sinatra, and at the time, I wasn't buying new records. I was still just buying whatever old stuff I could get my hands on. And then eventually I sort of just came around to it. I think it was around the time that I met Julian Dine for the first time. Oh, cool. And after that, I bought Julian Dine's album, December. And that was sort of the game changer that moved me towards getting into, really getting into instrumental hip hop. Then I picked up Brank Sinatra. Then I was like, well, what else has he released? he's like, oh, there's this super group that he's attached to? Let me hear that. Mm. Loved it. And then uh, went back, picked up Dexter's album, The Trip, which if you've never heard, is also worth checking out. Right. As he uses psychedelic rock as the, the uh, basis of all the tracks on there. Okay, And then cool. picking wow. up Stuff Daddy's album. So I, that that's always the way that I've listen to music is one thing will get you into another thing, whether it's a, an artist that has worked with another artist or uh, a producer who have they worked with like uh, yeah. Mizell brothers are a good example of that and have gotten me into like Bobby, Bobby Humphrey, Do uh, Donald bird, the blackbirds. Yeah. Brilliant. All, all that stuff. Yeah. That's right. The revered collaborations with Donald Byrd. Absolutely. Oh yeah. yeah. The, I sort of kicking myself that I don't, 
uh, have any of those really, really famous Donald Byrd albums. I have all, I have a bunch of the, the, uh, the Blackbird stuff, but I don't have, uh, what is it? Spaces or something. The one with Spaces and Spaces. Yeah. yeah Paces and Spaces really and, uh, Stepping it, Into Tomorrow, I think as well. Yes. Yeah. Two great albums. I love those. Yeah. Big fan. And that's all Mazel Brothers that sort yeah. of helped craft that sound for Blue Note at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's wonderful stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I love Donald Bird. Man, we went off on a huge tangent. So going back, to, <laughs> uh, <laughs> going back to the the fiftieth episode, it's still yeah. something. It's still up in the air in terms of the actual content, but it will be fifty tracks of something. Well, that's wonderful. This will air on the Monday before. So uh, it's with great excitement that uh, hopefully people will hear this and be very, very curious to know what you've what you've decided on. So, uh, yeah, I, I look forward to it, man. It's yeah, been, uh, it, I, yeah, I apologize. Yeah. I was hoping that I would actually uh, decide on what I was doing before we started <laughs> doing this podcast episode. And no, that's totally cool. Yeah. No, I think it, we, we've we, we, all this was to do was to commemorate the the, the incredible milestone uh, of 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 nothing short of a of an excellent radio show. So we're obviously just always thrilled to be a part of your raw select journey. And I'm Thanks always I I always one hundred percent mean this. I really appreciate that you've taken me on because you've given me the motivation to uh, continue to keep doing these episodes, knowing that I have uh, an obligation to get these done and get them to you has really just, I I could have easily gotten lazy with this, but you give me the, like I said, motivation to get these to you on time every month. And I, I, even in the moments where I'm like, I just, I don't have, I'm not feeling the inspiration or anything. Usually within the first 30 minutes of a radio show, the uh, inspiration light just goes off. And then I'm like 100% into it. Oh, so that's cool. The inspiration light or the panic button. It's one of well, the two, both. But... A little bit of both, honestly. <laughs> The uh, the instrumental hits hip hop stuff is always the uh, the panic mode stuff because right. if I do not have all of my records sort of lined up immediately, with most tracks being like a minute and a half to two minutes, I it becomes a mad dash to try to. It's like where's the next record? I can't find it. Yeah, what am I looking yeah. for? Which is why you'll rarely hear me do a whole show of uh, all instrumental hip hop stuff. Yeah, you're right. Actually, they are very, very brief, aren't they? The, the those the, the sort of each individual yeah. song. My gosh, if you did fifty, the show would be about forty five minutes. Yeah, long. no, no. I was thinking about, I was thinking about <laughs> that too. <laughs> yeah, uh, so, but I, I think I'll I'll try to. I, I think I'll find find a balance. I don't know. I might actually go back the uh, LP route because I. Unfortunately, they're just not. There's just not enough hours in the day to uh, be able to share all the records that I want to share with the world. I've got right. so much stuff that like I, I want to play for everyone. But I mean, that would probably be an 
an all day, all week, uh, radio show, podcast or whatever. Mm. That's cool. Hey, yeah, we could, we could always spend time on one of these episodes going through, uh, uh, records that you're, that you want to talk about. Yeah. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah. And eventually get into, uh, maybe in a future episode, we could do like, uh, top 10 definitive records. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I need ages to put that together. I'm so, uh, oh, I can be so pedantic if I'm committing myself <laughs> to a list. It would be, as long as I could include the words in no particular order, then yes. I'd probably yeah, be no, okay. You know, so, so, I, I, would have to, <laughs> I would have to do that too. <laughs> so, um, well, as you know, we close out each episode. Hope I'm not catching you off guard with this, but we, I didn't oh, mention no, no, it no, no, beforehand. No, no. But you have a closing song, I imagine. So wonderful news. What are you going to let us in on? So I was think I was trying to figure out did I want to go old did I want to go new and I sort of started I started drawing a ton of blanks on this and I was thinking what what's the song that sticks out the most in my mind right now and there's only one song and that has to be Thundercats Dragon oh, Ball Do Rag Nice Have you nice. heard it yet I have yeah yeah oh, uh, it's a great record yeah I, I, that, right now, that record is the one that I'm most looking forward to for 2020. Mm. I I unfortunately skipped on Drunk because the vinyl is so expensive. Right, okay. I think it's between 40 or 50 bucks because it's four 10 inches. I don't know who was the genius who thought that was a good idea. All right, wow. But I, I knew... I, I've always been a huge fan of Thundercat, both as a musician, uh, fly low collaborator, and mm. uh, personality. I, I fly low, or not fly low, but uh, and fly low to some degree as well. But a Thundercat always struck me as the type of person that I'd love to hang out with. Yeah, I mean the list of stuff that he's been a part of, you know, way beyond. He, like Flylo tends to be the person he's most sort of associated with, but mm. the the stuff he's done with Terrace Martin, with uh, Natasha Agrama, uh, his brother, who is a fantastic artist. He's a drummer, Ronald Bruner Jr. Uh, he's a drummer and singer. He has an album out called uh, Triumph uh, oh, on Alpha Pop and the World Galaxy. It is brilliant, and he's got um. There's a, a lead track called uh, Take Take the Time, which features Thundercat and. Uh, it's a gosh, it's mental. It's just a great, great, can you great send, song. Can you send me a link to that later? Yes, I can. Yeah, I'll do it immediately. Uh, no. Yeah, it's uh, it's a brilliant it. record. Yeah, it's a really yeah, it's a very eclectic, very diverse record. It kind of goes deep jazz at points, but then almost sort of crazy pop in a, in a weird way. But it's just brilliant. It's it's a wonderful release. Kamasi Washington appears on a couple of Ooh, tracks on yeah. sax. Um, yeah, nothing major solo wise. That's another artist that I've always wanted to get into, but just due to the expensiveness of his records, yeah. just never gotten around to listening to the Epic. And I, what's the other one that came out last year? He heaven and earth. I think is it heaven yeah. and earth, something and like both, that, but no, you're right. The expensiveness, really expensive. They're really expensive, but they're so expansive as well because it's so intimidating to sit down with a three or four disc album. Yeah, absolutely. How, how how do you keep you know like oh i listened to disc one though i listened to disc two last i need to get onto this one i just it's just too it's sort of too much it's incredible incredible to actually put out three discs as one album but 
you know, I just find it so kind of, I use the word intimidating a few times, but. No, know, no, no, no. But, but intimidating is the perfect word for it. It's, it's almost like uh sun Ra. Sun Ra is well, so yes. inti- intimidating. Yeah. Where do you start there? Yeah. I mean, one song could be 20 minutes long <laughs> already, you know? So yeah. yeah, it's, it is a, it is difficult. So much stuff from some, from a single artist, I think can sometimes be a bit too much but yeah. there you go but you've picked a great song to close with so uh, uh again thank you very much for your time yep and, and um, i want to be mindful of your time because i know it's getting into the witching hour for you uh well yeah well 1 30 in the morning for me it's not too bad and it's uh, okay. 10 30 for you yep uh in the morning morning so that's that's guys you've got a lovely full day ahead of you which is yep. very very cool so and I hope, hope we'll get to talk again soon because there's a bunch of stuff I just didn't get around to to talking about. So uh, uh, I hope we can try and arrange something fairly soon. Because oh, absolutely, yeah, lots of stuff. I always enjoy ta- I always enjoy talking to you. So I look forward to our next conversation. Thank you so much, dude. I do feel it'll be uh, sooner rather than later because yeah, there's definitely stuff I wanted to talk to you about regarding a couple of your YouTube videos uh, and stuff like that. So yeah, okay, I hope we'll get sounds to good, again. man. I feel kind of fly.